Thank you for listening to the Maker in the Mix podcast, where we discuss design, innovation, and all things concrete. Um, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's the difference between conversations or podcasts or, or videos that are entertaining versus those that are informative. Yeah, I get that. And well, okay, this is actually, it's kind and of it's funny. Hard, it's hard. I don't know how to be entertaining and not be informative. That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, I think, well, and that actually, this is funny, and I'm recording already, but I don't know if I'll include this or not because, uh, you know, we'll see. But um, so I can pause it wherever. But I, I have I have wondered if perhaps, you know, because we've, we've talked a lot about, like, you know, you by nature are an introvert. And so there's a level of, you know, you're extremely gifted at teaching. Mm-hmm. But when you're in that mode, you know, there's, there's, it's hard to overcome the fact that you're still an introvert, right? And so that's, you know, the, the social, like, there's a lot of exertion that goes into what you are very talented at. But it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, and so I you have know, often wondered if there's like a, a way that we can say, you know, look, here's who I am as a person. And if I say something that bothers you or offends you, I promise you, I mean, no harm. (laughs) Well, there there are different communication styles Mm -hmm. and for a lot of people, the, the content and quality of the communication is not in question. And that's really not relevant here. It's the intent behind it. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of casual conversations, like small talk or you're, you know, you're at a bar or, you know, you're hanging out with a bunch of friends and it's just chit chat, right? You're not there exchanging information that has some importance behind it. Like, you know, water cement ratio is really important because everything about your concrete is largely defined by it Uh as an example. You know, you're talking about, Hey, you know, I uh, was, uh, you know, joined a softball team last week or, you know, whatever. It's it's bonding information that creates a sense of community. It creates a sense of belonging. Um, But there are also elements of the information or the content that is said is there to uh, promote connection and sometimes to establish hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a negative sense. That's just, that's just how it is. Whereas in contrast, when I'm in teaching mode, it's, I have a vast wealth of knowledge, insight, and experience that I want to share. And some of that knowledge is a distillation or summarization of an even bigger ocean of knowledge and truth established by the research and educational communities over the last century or so. Mm-hmm. And that's more factual based, right? So there's no 
in, in my brain, there's no need to embellish it with small talk that gets in the way of conveying the information. When you have somebody who's expecting or is used to one style of communication interacting with somebody who is in that mode or used to communicating in a different style, they sometimes clash a little simply because the expectations of one are not met. They don't mesh whatever. with the expectations of the other. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like your point is like, look, if I say something like, hey, you know, this is this and this is that, or, or you had an issue and the root cause of it was something went wrong because of a decision you made. Okay, that's not a judgment. That's not an indictment. That's not a criticism. That is not a, um, that's not meant to be mean, mm-hmm. but it often is interpreted that way by folks who don't communicate in a different way. Yeah, and I think, you know, for me, again, you know, I've had the unique and distinct uh, privilege of, I don't even know how it started, Jeff. I mean, what, like, maybe I just bugged you until you said, okay, I'll be this guy's friend. I don't know, but, (laughs) but like. You you do have that, 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 that easy way of, approaching and, and connecting with people like you um, moved into a town that you only had visited a few times and now know basically everybody right that's just I your do like knowing people <laughs> yeah yeah um and so you know my perspective on you know because you know you you are a an educator and you're passionate about this mm-hmm. thing this craft that we do Um, And to me, that comes across very much. And I think to anybody who actually attends, you know, one of our workshops, that comes across very much. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're actually, you know, you're very, very, you know, personable to me. And I think going out, you know, to have beers afterwards or whatever is phenomenally entertaining and very fun. But I think there's two there's two Jeff Gerard modes. And, you know, podcast Jeff and work, workshop Jeff are pretty similar. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, I'm in teaching mode. Yeah. Beer, (laughs) Beer Jeff is different. And he's very fun. <laughs> um, and I have fun with both of them. And so uh, I want that to come across. But anyway, uh, so hi, Jeff Gerard. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Um, this is the teaching Jeff. Teaching Jeff here. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you, ridic- you, you do realize that I've been, the, it, it, I've been doing this same thing for, well, as CCI, it's coming up 20 years. 20, yeah. Um, even before that, when I when I worked for the Navy and I was doing research for the Navy and I was running programs, like I had my own program that I ran, I had a big budget and ran a test program, I would do briefings to people from Washington, D.C. So they'd come in, they'd fly in, and I would they give back the information. And it's like, okay, this is formal. This is like my formal training to how to communicate, how to pass on critically relevant information to people who want to know it. And none of the, I don't want to call it frivolous because casual talk, let's call it, is very important. It's part of the social human fabric, right? It's very, very important, but it has a different role. It has a different place. And if you only like to hear that kind of 
communication, then it's difficult to absorb things you yeah. need to know. On yeah, the other hand, think... it's hard to f- provide people with things they need to know when they're uncomfortable hearing things from like when you were in school, everybody's gone through like middle school, high school, that kind of level where you don't really want to be there and you didn't do your homework and you're struggling because the test's coming up and the teacher's just going on and on and on and you start tuning it out. Right. And so that you can hear that from this level, but we are adults, right? And well, some of us are, some of us are, well, we all, on, by our licenses say we are but yeah, we're all we're, not. we're all uh you know yeah. we all are of a certain age but what, what i'm getting at is suggest we're adults but every one of us every single one of us no matter where we are in the world have voluntarily chosen to dip our toes into this wonderful world of craft concrete and when you do that as you go from just a casual hey i'm Sitting in my backyard, I got my toes in a bucket of water. That's one thing. Another thing is, hey, I'm going to go, you know, do 100 laps down at my local gym pool mm-hmm. versus I'm going to go compete and swim in the ocean. Right. Right. So there's different levels of, hey, you better start taking things more seriously because things can start to go sideways and you may not like what you're seeing or like what's happening because you don't understand. And as soon as somebody starts investigating, reaching out, looking at, listening to people, now they've tapped into a resource they hope will help them. And I mean, I'm guilty of this too. Like I watch tons of YouTube. I like like to watch lots of different YouTube content creators and it's not mostly for entertainment um it's it's usually having to do with some sort of craft or technology or something like that whether it's yeah you do a lot you watch a lot of machining videos or cars or woodworking or stuff like that right but there's often a narrative of conversation that floats above the content and that's that takes a great deal of talent and art to do that, like especially it's in one person. Mm-hmm. And I don't pretend to be able to do that. Like that's just not me. And for some people, they're like, ah, I just he's too lectury. I turn that up. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, but guess what? You. <laughs> so we are a tag team yeah where... for whatever reason we we get along incredibly well absolutely i, I love hanging out with jeff um so <laughs> no i i and i think that's a phenomenal and, and I, I never want anybody to think that i'm i'm talking down to you or that i'm i know better than you and you'll never well, know sometimes what I... you do but <laughs> just because i know a lot doesn't mean i know everything and i freely admit this to every class is like when two people come together who are strangers, there's always an exchange of information. Yeah. And if it's a good conversation, both parties learn something new. I am always willing to learn something new. I have a very open mind and I am the first to admit I 
there's a lot I need to know and learn, and that's a lot more than what I already know. Um, I think and, that's why it's fun to teach classes with you too, because um, you know over the years, I mean, I've certainly been doing this, you know, a little less than half the time you've been doing it, but. Um, well, a lot less than half because I, well, what year you started in 99, I started in 12. Yeah. So I've been doing it 11 years. So you were mm -hmm. doing it 13 years before me, mm -hmm. right? So a little less than half, but, um, you know, especially getting to spend as much time together as we do, um, like some of the techniques that I've developed over the years or learned from other people or whatever. Boon. <laughs> He's not to too my, loud. Don't worry about my it. shop dog. I'm glad I, I transferred to this microphone, and I think that's making a difference. Yeah, um, you, you sound you sound great. Yeah, great. Um, and so, so anyway, uh, <laughs> He's all right. Okay, okay. I'm I'm self conscious about it. Uh, but you know, didn't we try different methods, right? I mean, um, we're do. I am gonna hold on. Yeah, I'm gonna have to like. I'm gonna mark a <laughs> clip here. I was going to chit-chat for a bit, but you go ahead yeah. and fix that. And he's probably fine now. It's probably just somebody walking by. Yep, walking by. Um, windows, uh, which would have been worse. Here's the cool thing about, and this is what gets me excited about the craft concrete world, the universe of craft concrete, is there are rules, right? And that's that's kind of what my job is. Is like, okay, if you understand the rules, water-cement ratio, this, that, and the other thing, you know, using the right fiber content, why mm -hmm. polymer is important, uh, the importance of having consistent ingredients, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you understand and embrace those basic tenets, the foundational elements that are the building blocks to your success, okay, if you got those down and you embrace them and understand them and truly embrace them and, and practice them, you now have all the tools to really let your creativity expand so that you can explore without the worry or the fear of failure because something that you didn't expect happened. Now, yep. that's always a possibility, but if you can narrow that down to a, a very small area that you can control, mm -hmm. even though you don't know mm -hmm. what might happen, if you can avoid it, it's like, there's that one creepy room in my house I don't like. Will you just stay away from it? Like, our job is to turn the lights on in as many rooms as possible so that you don't stumble around and trip and stub your toe. That's where, when you have that, when you have the foundational understanding, when you have that grasp of, hey, I, I'm starting to get this material. And it does take a little while. You've got to practice with it. You've got to work I'll with it. It's but... a finical or a, fi a fickle friend a, a finical finical finicky <laughs> and, new, and fickle made, that's my new, new word can we put that in the description it's finical yeah, it's finical um, it's, it's it's uh fickle and finicky at the same time yes <laughs> so when you have that like and and now you're like okay cool i'm i'm gonna start changing something because i want to see what happens and th good things special things exciting things happen you're like, wow, I did something like maybe it's a new look. Like 
Dylan's always doing that, right? Yeah. He's always playing. He's, he's like breaking the rules. Like you can't break the rules unless you understand them. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times you're not really breaking rules. You're kind of stretching them mm-hmm. because very little. Well, is- because if you understand the material, if you know what's going on, then you can say, well, it'll, it'll actually, I can get away with this. But if you don't know and you're like, this is the method, but you're actually teetering on the edge of getting away with something, that's where you're in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 there's, it's, everything's a spectrum, right? Everything's like, there's no black and white. There's always like tons of shades of gray in between. Pick like fibers, for instance. You know, certainly when I started GFRC and I was, I had to have some reference, right? So I'm going to, I was looking, I'm using this like this morning. This is a fantastic resource you can buy. Glass fiber reinforced concrete panels. Uh, Recommended practice, PCI. um, It's, so the guy that taught me in person is the first name on the book, Hiram Ball. Look at that. So if you saw our last podcast last time, he was helping me with the, the mini mixer, the very first one. So this is uh, M. Uh, yeah, you have to buy it off the PCI website. I don't know if if you have to. You know, there you go. MNL one twenty eight oh one. Right. Oh one means it's published in two thousand one. Anyway. We work with what's called premix, where we take our fibers and we mix them into our concrete before we cast them. And in our prior discussions, we've talked about well, you can you can hand pack your your backer, you can do direct casting where you're pouring it, or in the case of commercial GFRC, it's often put a pump through a pump sprayer, and you have one of those, mm-hmm. so it's actually sprayed and then compacted with rollers. So there's different styles of casting this, but this spray premix is basically set. It uses a three percent fiber load. So what what when you're talking about percentages of ingredients, most of us think in terms of admixtures like your pigment or your super plasticizer, and that's always reference to the weight of the cementitious content in your concrete. Um, because Except fibers, they're dose. But fibers are not. Fibers are actually done by volume fraction. And it took me the longest time to remember what that meant because I had to go back to when I when I took a mechanical it's, engineering it, class in undergrad for composites. And let me grab the book. It's the weight of the of the entire batch, including the fibers. Correct. Yes. Which yeah, is well, confusing as hell how, to me. So this is my textbook from sophomore year in, in college way back when. So it talks about fibers in so these are like, I don't know, carbon fibers and some sort of metal matrix and all different things. It's not just concrete. Um in fact concrete's just like a, a, a paragraph in here. This is mo- mostly metals and polymers. But anyway, so volume fraction actually is truly volume. How many cubic inches of fiber solids are in a cubic whatever of concrete that has the fibers already in <laughs> has the fibers already in them <laughs> and the material of the fibers is important because if i'm using steel fibers steel is very dense compared well, to and, glass and half inch versus three quarter inch well you know... no, no no that's not even that that doesn't even come into play we're, we're talking about actual physical material like if you melted all those fibers into a single cube it still takes up the same volume the shape not the bulk density but the actual solid there's no voids in it. it's just the, the solid part 
So what, it doesn't matter what the shape is, it's just the solid part. Mm. So if you're dealing with steel fibers, steel weighs about, in round numbers, 500 pounds a cubic foot. 490, depends on the alloy. Glass is about, uh, it's 2.7. So 2.7 times the density of water. Um, I don't know what that is off the top of my head. It's more than concrete, right? If you're dealing with PVA fibers, the specific gravity of PVA is 1.3. Water is one, so it's 1.3 times the density of water. Glass, AR glass fibers are about 2.7. Uh, steel is about 7.98 to 8 times the density of water, so it's much denser. Denser things, right, are more compact. There's more stuff in the same amount of volume. Uh -huh. So a 2% volume fraction of steel fibers. 2% vo volume fraction, I'm, this is, I'm going off in the weeds here, but I'm, I'm on a roll. A 2% volume fraction is 2% of the volume. It doesn't matter what the, what the stuff is. But we don't measure things in volume. We measure things in weight. That's why we use scales, right? So it, the joke is, what's, what's heavier, a pound of feathers or a pound of gold, right? They weigh the same, but which takes up more space? Pound, uh -huh. pound of feathers takes up a lot more space than a pound of gold. So that's the difference between weight versus volume. Right. So volumes are very when you're when you're doing like the numbers on a spreadsheet, things are actually done in volume, but then everything's translated into weights because that's in the practical real world, you and I weigh things out on a scale. Well, and, and that's why we, we're not gonna sit there and give you, oh, use use fifty grams of this. Right. That doesn't work unless you're like, okay, well, you have to use a 50 pound batch. And then in that 50 pound batch, you got to use 50 grams of this. But sometimes you should use 60 grams of this. And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. That's why we have the whole spreadsheet. And I know people are like, oh, it's complicated. No, it's really not. It has a lot of information. And if you know what to do with it, then it is phenomenally helpful because it does all this math in the background. So, you know, when people ask me, how many grams did of, of fluidizer did you use? I'm like, I have no idea. But I know it's that I use 0.45%. I don't well, have yeah, a but I mean, but I'm not like pulling it up and looking at it, but I do know, I mean, I remember percentages. So I'm like, okay, well, I use 0.45. Yeah. Well, how because do I get there? You're, we'll use the calculator. If you're making a small sample, let's say I'm trying well, I had a sample yesterday where I had a half a gram. No, less, it was 0.05%. So yeah. it was a little less than half a gram of whatever it was right. in, uh, in a five pound batch. So. And you can, um, you don't have to like do math to translate that 10 pound sample to a 500 pound batch. It's the same percentage. Well, different right? number. So, getting back to the fibers, I'm done with the volume fraction. Like we measure stuff in in, we call it volume fraction, but it's it's really a weight fraction. But it's a three percent fiber load means there's three pounds of fibers and a hundred pounds of concrete that has fibers that has in it. three pounds of fibers in it. Right. Yeah. And so you can't just that. That's why when you're talking about volume fractions, you know there are some that would. Say you know do the numbers without the the um, fibers in there, and so that two percent suddenly becomes one point seven five. Well, if they'll I'm not also mistaken. do it without the water. They'll do it based on dry weight. Right, which doesn't. Well, what work. if your water cement ratio changes? Right. The total volume changes. All and that matters. When, when you mix fibers into, and this is why I bring up the composites thing and the material science textbook is when you're dealing with materials and you're creating a composite. The properties of that composite 
have to include everything that's in that composite, not mm -hmm. just whatever thing is convenient because math is hard, <laughs> right? The materials don't care what you think. Concrete doesn't care what you think. This is this is the, the hard teaching, teaching moment, harshness. Facts don't care about your feelings. Facts don't care about your feeling. The concrete will tell you when you screw up, mm -hmm. when you make the wrong decisions, or when you make right decisions. So when you're making the composite, like GFRC, or any other flavor of fiber reinforced concrete, ECC, UHPC, UHPC, GFRC, whatever, whatever alphabet soup you want to call it, the fibers have to be included in that, but so do all the other ingredients. In fact, in my calculator, I go even as far to include the pigments and the super plasticizer and every other admix that's in there because it's in the concrete. It Correct. packs. It influences it's volume. You know? it, it's volume. It influences the material. So getting back to this, I started saying, okay, it's a 3% load. You know, you make concrete GFRC with a 3% load because the, the research data that I looked at said, okay, for optimal strength, a 3% premix is more than adequate. It's a starting point. It's like, look, if you don't know where to start, go there. Right. It's prescriptive. Cool. Over time, we collectively as the industry have discovered that we don't always need or want that much fibers in our concrete. There are instances where we might want to go down to a 2% load. Oftentimes, we need a little bit more than what a 2% because the fewer fibers you have, the more brittle the matrix is, the less toughness, the less crack resistance, less impact resistance you have to the point where, you know, unreinforced concrete will shatter. It's just a brittle solid. And, well, and we can I, be I do, smart about I want to touch on our fiber content based on our needs. Right. So you're going to talk a little bit about one of the recent reels or videos that you did, and you use a certain fiber load because of what you were making. So you were cognizant of the needs of the casting process, the geometric constraints of the product you were, the, the form you were casting in, and the actual needs of that final product and what it was yeah. going to be used for. Yeah. So, um, and I was going to touch on something. I don't remember what it was. doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, I, that actually is a great segue into, um, one of the things that I, I have been wanting to emphasize and we have been on the, uh, Instagram and, and YouTube, uh, channels, um, is the, the resource. Um, and again, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but I think it's really nice to, uh, to get stories, right? Mm -hmm. So um, this last week, uh, within the last seven days, uh, we'll say, um, we've had three um, people, you know, reach out as far as, you know, either thanking us for the help we provided or asking for some some advice or asking about, you know, methodologies or whatever. Absolutely, so, yeah. Um, and it happens, you know, a lot. I think it could happen more often, and I think that would really aid some success. But um, the one that you were mentioning was um, uh, Shannon Moreno, who is a, um, a CCI alum from 2012, if I'm not mistaken, um, called me to ask me about the Alpha Pro Polymer in RapidSet because he had had, uh, you know, something where the batch he was using was really 
like he couldn't get it to flow or, or whatever. And by um, rapid set, you're meaning cemental. Cemental, specifically. Yeah. yeah, so CTS Rapid Set makes a bagged blend called cemental that you can get at Home Depot. Um, or white mine, cap. Or white cap. But if you get it at Home Depot, it has more super plasticizer in the bag than it does from white cap. So just be aware of those facts that you're going to have to adjust for. Um, there's also less quality control from the Home Depot version. I didn't have any issues with that until I got to North Carolina. But, um, you know, I, I told him on the phone, I was like, well, yes, I've noticed differences, but it's never been to the point where I couldn't adjust for it and make the piece work. Yeah. Um, that said, he was asking about flowability. Um, and so I just, you know, I was like, well, I'd rather show you than tell you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we filmed a little video of, um, mixing and casting, uh, mm -hmm. just a little sink. I've got a silicone mold for, um, so 30 pounds, I wanted to do a decent sized batch so that we had like a good example. Um, and you know, 2% fibers. Um, I did a point four five, uh, fluidizer. No, I think that's a lie. Point three five, um, fluidizer. Point three five water. And, and to do here's a point where four five. the value of working in percentages, which are independent mm -hmm. of your batch size. And while you're talking about that, I'm gonna go get the sink. Yeah. Um, he weighed out whatever point one percent separate. So if he needed it, he could put it in. But he didn't need it. Right. And that's judging it by eye. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see what this looks like because I love the color. It's gorgeous. Oh, there it is. It's teal. Yeah. And if you guys haven't seen it, just go to the reels or Instagram or whatever just to watch it being cast. There was other than you, you did some very minor jiggling of the mold after it was full. Mm -hmm. It was cast and just poured from one spot, and the and the material flowed throughout that looks mm -hmm. beautiful it's pretty cool right yep that's funny because uh we're doing a um really funky sink uh and i've i've posted about that because we fabric formed part of it so again if you're following us on instagram you get a lot of this instagram and facebook you get a lot of this back stuff backstory mm -hmm. stuff um but uh doing some fabric forming on a sink that's two levels but uh, this is for my church uh, in the kids' bathroom, which is why it's a two-level sink. Um, so one sink is five inches, sits five inches lower than the other one. Um, so it's a total of a 10-inch profile, but it, it goes top and then rolls down. Because um, I figured that'd be fun for the kids. And they selected that color because I did it. And I was like, oh, that's fun. Um, so, uh, but yeah. Um, and, and that's just an example of like, you reach out to us ask a question and you know the likely thing that's going to happen is we're going to either i mean certainly answer the question but you know a lot of times there's some actual concrete that's involved where you know jeff or i are, are going to be like hey why don't we just do this and show you how we do it and yeah. uh you know we've got the capacity to film that thing and mm -hmm. and you know and or, I, you know. or possibly have we already done it and if we have videos of it here, this Same is what you. it was. Like, mm -hmm. in the same day, Shannon called you, and then he called me and talked to us kind of back-to-back. -back. Mm -hmm. And uh, while I was on the phone with him, of course, I'm in, you know, tech support mode also, because that's basically my primary role when I talk to people. And that's kind of what I've done for the last 20-something years is like, okay, let's let's solve this 
challenge because not all challenges are problems and right. not all problems are uncorrectable. Um, and in this case, Hey, let's, you know, and here's just a tip. Like when, when you talk to somebody and ask them about, Hey, I'm having an issue with something. The more information you can provide, the better the picture you can paint, the quicker and the faster and the more accurate the, the answer is problem be. solving yep. can go. So Agreed. like with, with, with Shannon, first thing I said is like, okay, um, where did you buy the cementol from Home Depot? And he actually had some issues. He had to call CTS. And it turns out that in some of the batches he had some issues with came from a different plant than what he's used to. So there was some material diff sand differences or whatever. I don't know to what extent or that had it had an influence. I've seen some issues in the past. Um, all products have little hiccups here and there. Well, and, and that's actually a, a segue into um, into something else. So continue you know, what you're saying, yeah. but I just want to. So I'm not trying to make excuses for this or or you know brush over it, but like think about the products you're working with. Like, okay, many people in the industry use use cementol from Rapid Set. Mm -hmm. but it is not an architectural grade material made for us. Mm -hmm. It is a structural patching and grouting material. That just so happens to make a good. It happens to make very, very good concrete. Ideally, it's a great GFRC mix. So, you know, their needs are not as tightly controlled as ours. Right. And, uh, you know, we have to be cognizant of that is that, our expectations for everything are very, very like we expect things never to change or we should. Mm. Um, and when they do, you know, all of a sudden it lots of red flags and alarms and flashing things go off. And we have to remember, it's like, why, what, what is the most likely element? Mm -hmm. And it's okay. You're using material that could have changes in it and it's okay with them. Maybe it's not okay with us. So what do we have to do with it Yeah, to, to change it? Because like I, I immediately pulled up when I had done some tests uh, last July on, I did some, and we talked about this in a podcast. I did two samples, two flexural test samples out of the same bag of rapid set, which I still have. I have it in a sealed bucket. I still have some. Um, one was made with alpha pro polymer and one was made without. Everything was identical. Same water content, same fiber content, same fluidizer dose, which is very low. So I think it was a 0.2%, very low, low amount. And I videoed mixing it, videoed casting it, and side by side looking at them. Okay, neither of them were horrible. I wasn't trying to make it horrible because I didn't want to like overblow it with the fluidizer. It was, you know, fibrous pudding poured out of the bucket but it made a soft lump that i had to spread with a trowel and when i jiggled it it leveled out uh -huh. okay so if you kind of can envision that that's kind of the consistency uh -huh. moderately high slump but definitely not flowable but that's okay right they were the same yeah. didn't matter one versus the other so it, the 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 content of the polymer had zero influence on the, on the workability what and was that's lower. the experience I've had as well. Yeah. The the thing that really stood you out was... You can't feel it in there, you know? No, you can't. 
you can't smell it, you can't feel it. The thing that I measurable, and again, human senses are very subjective. Like your eye eyes are very imprecise, right? You know, so you can't just look at it and go. It's, it's like trying to estimate the you know the volume of <laughs> a, a giant jumble of of stuff. You're like, uh, I don't know. I think it's bigger than a bread box. I don't know. So you have to have tools. You know, where's my? Aha, here it is. There's the ruler. We, it's coming. We need tools to measure things because this doesn't on on this scale doesn't change, <laughs> right? And I, it's not subjective. It's re, it's an objective measurement, right? It's a standard. So I use my flexural test machine to measure the the strength of these samples. And now you're measuring flexural strength. You're not measuring toughness, which not are measuring two toughness, different things. Not measuring impacts, which is related to toughness. I'm not measuring compressive strength. I'm measuring bending strength. Uh -huh. ASTM 947-C. That's the ASTM standard that I'm following. That and, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, this, the, you know, I've had more than one, I mean, and I've, I'm guilty of it too, you know, talk about strength as if they have the data from their own. And uh, frankly, as much as you rely on your own feel and touch, it's not as reliable as numbers. Um, when, when you do something as simple, and it's, don't get me wrong, this is not... Because like when you not, do this, do you know how much pressure you put on it with your hands? Right. No, you don't. Well, it's it's more than that. Okay, there's a lot more to it than that. And that's that's one of the other cool things. So I'm going to grab another textbook of mine that's a favorite of mine. This was a junior class. We actually built our own instruments. Ooh. I made a strain gauge, right? Experimental methods for engineers. How do you test things? What kind of instrumentation do you need? One of the tests was, okay, when, when you have a circular saw, right? There's a little guard. Uh -huh. Okay. In our lab was, okay, figure out a way to measure how fast does it take to shut that completely? Because the spec is it has to shut in less than a tenth of a second. Sure. Here you go. You got an oscilloscope. You got some wires, you got a bunch of bits and bobs. Make a tool, make an instrument that measures that. <laughs> some people did it optically, other people did it other ways, electrically, mechanically, but it's all about how do you measure things? And the act of measuring something sometimes influences the outcome because maybe you're not using the right ruler, right? Right. This is a poor tool to measure the thickness of a piece of paper. Right, right, right. That's what I'm getting. So, uh -huh. you know, when I'm measuring flexural strength, the, the, the reason why I'm following the standard is the standard has looked into what are the things that are important to take into account, like the size of the sample, the thickness of the sample, all are, are important. Um, you have a major span and a minor span. What are those? How uh -huh. precise are those? What are the, you know, does it accommodate for twist? What is the loading rate? You know, if, if, I, if I just make a chunk of concrete, right? I make a countertop, right? And I set it up on sawhorses and I start piling bags of sand on it. Is that a real test 
of strength. Yes and no. I mean, it's yes. Absolutely. That's that's the correct answer. It's correct from an objective standpoint of, is it strong enough to hold this weight? But can I infer anything from that? Because do I know everything about what I'm doing? No. No. You can't say how close to the threshold of of breakage or cracking you are. You can't say until you get there. Right. Um, And and even then... If your increment is a bag of sand and that bag of sand is 50 pounds, okay, there, there's tons your Tons of margin for loading. error there. And how fast do you apply it? Because that Are matters. you throwing it on? Are you carefully placing right. it on? And um, is the – how tightly are you measuring? You know, I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty. Well, and are you it. assuming that your bags are 50 pounds, right? Because yeah. it says 50 pounds, but every single time when I measure like big batches, I'll weigh the bag. And I know that I, I happen to know that the bag of my sterling sand weighs half a pound, so I subtract that, right? Every single – I have not gotten a 50-pound bag yet. That there's always They're 45, more. 47, yeah. 49. And I'm like, ooh, 49, we're getting close, you know, and but I've never had a big while I get lucky and it's like, wow, it's 51. Yeah, I know, right? I have, but I have not had 50. I've had 51. Right. I've had 44. So haven't had 50. here's the point I'm, what I'm trying to make is when, when you're doing that sort of really gross level of, of testing, you can, you can only draw gross levels of conclusions. Right. When I'm developing a product, I need to see way past the decimal point. I need really, really precise because subtle things like grain size distribution of my sands or the the shape of your, or the shape of the sands. If they're too rounded, it changes things versus if they're too angular Uh and those secondary tertiary, uh, what's the four, uh, quad, whatever, fourth, secondary tertiary and right. These little effects that don't seem like they're important now become important and confounding factors for me to start. The minutia matters. The minutia matters to me, but on on a practical level, on the uh, manufacturing floor level, it 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 doesn't matter because it's all folded into it. However, you can't. It's it's like looking through binoculars the wrong way. You're still seeing the same image, but what? can you actually infer from what you're seeing? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and if you'll permit me, Jeff, I want to go backwards just a little bit, because you right, mentioned um, you mentioned about uh, manufacturing, um, you know, it's a manufactured product. You can't expect it to be perfect all the time, right? Um, and I had, and I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to give you the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Artisan uh, from Canada, Simon, um, reached out to me uh, and I, I really appreciate, you know, the, the candor, right. Um, he reached out to me and said on a recent podcast that we said some stuff about supply and consistency, you know, quality control. Um, and was saying that, you know, there's always going to be supply chain issues. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so he was, inferring from what we said like we said things that like uh, our ingredients aren't going to change our formulations aren't going to change you know you can rely on the product uh i i know for a fact that i said you know if we go on vacation you can still order right things like that um and so you know my reply to him was and again i really appreciate him reaching out um because you know it shows that uh, that people care right um and, and we do want to be consistent and i 
did mean all of those things. And Jeff, I know you did mean all of the things that you said as well. Um, you know, but I think the, the key is that I don't want to be shy about if there are supply chain issues. We're not going to change an ingredient and then send it out and then hope you don't notice. That's that's the that, it, so. And so what I what I said in the end, you know, I, I said a lot of stuff and that was all essentially around that. But basically, you know, the bottom line is the commitment is not that nothing bad will ever happen or that no supply chain issues will ever occur. The commitment is that we won't stand for subpar. Right. Um, we, our, our obligation is to set high but realistic expectations about our products. Yep. Now, I can't speak for other companies' products where they might have lower levels of quality control or low, lower levels of quality assurance or are very comfortable constantly changing things to make some sort perceived of perceived improvements perceived improvements or marketing changes or whatever right and that's not to say that we've never had issues there, like there, that i mean i know that no, in 2020 there were issues there's with supply there's no product that you have used in your life that has never changed right one bit what matters to me is does my product still do what i say it does and more importantly still do what you want it to do right so like you're not going to call the man the um the blender of you know omega for instance because we have that blended right and so right. you're not going to call and say change this ingredient i think it's going to really change things that's right. never going to happen no you know, if they nor have it since it got released. No, in fact, and... you personally, before it ever went on the market, were using the exact same formulation that's on mm -hmm. the market today. Yeah, a year before, and I have yet to have a callback. So, um, you know, I think uh, proper expectations set, and you know, treating your concrete well. Um, I've, I've never had, you know, the See, first I issue. I, I don't use my customers as beta testers right in general no. you were a voluntary beta tester mm -hmm. you were fully aware of that yeah and i did my own testing before i put it on a client's piece right but that's you know my my point in saying all of that is you know if if a supplier were to say the, and I don't know the, you know, I don't know like scientific names of the ingredients in a urethane, right? But like, if I were, if they were to say, oh, well, this uh, XY472 ingredient yeah. um, is now coming from this supplier, but we've tested it and it does the same thing mm -hmm. and it is the same, it's just a different supplier. That to me does not constitute a material change in the product. Most people are not aware of what goes into manufacturing a product. I, I've been very fortunate because my dad was an industrial chemist for all my life. He was a chemist before I was born. And he worked in developing products used in the printed, printed printing industry and the printed circus industry and other uh, optical type industries where 
the quality was extremely important. And we're not talking about small quantities either. We're talking, you know, like, oh, the, this pilot plant run is using like 100,000 pounds of stuff. Uh -huh. You know, and that's just a trial run. And sub, not substitutions, but variations in, in raw materials. You know, we get it from company A versus company B because they have more when we need it or whatever. You know, in the behind the scenes where the, the general public, the end user never ever sees or isn't even aware of it, there has to be a lot of testing to make sure that, hey, I can substitute this brand of yellow mustard for this brand of yellow mustard and our customers are still going to be happy with it. They're not going to notice a difference. There won't be a performance. There, there yeah. essentially is no difference. That's the kind of changes that happen. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, there is a subtle change in a material that has zero impact on the final product. Mm -hmm. You know, your concrete doesn't change color. It still does what you want it to do. It still gains the kind of strength you want it to gain. Yeah. Um, the workability so, doesn't change. Yeah. So what I'm talking about won't happen is specifically things that will actually affect yeah. the end user. So right. I'm not going to go know. and and change um, all of a sudden all the poslins in my concrete change and then instead of it being white it's gray. Right. And and so, you know, to say that there will never be any supply chain issues would be would be folly, right? That would be pretty foolish of me. Um, and because they've happened. I mean, they've happened to us. They've happened to other people. I know there was an, and I wasn't involved at the time, but I know there was an issue with the Omega supply chain in. Um, yeah, with co when COVID in, shut in manufacturing plants down, that just threw a monkey wrench in everybody's mm -hmm, system. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, we won't have that again. Yeah. Um, um, and so, and, you know, that's. And those just, are unforeseeable things. It's like, okay, you know, you go to buy a car and the you, the the car where you're the car you want the plant that it's being made at you know they had a big power outage or a tornado hit or it got flooded or something like that you know crap happens right mm -hmm. but so in the it, end, yeah so still the same what we're claiming is that our product won't change what we're not claiming is that nothing bad will ever happen right. <laughs> you know it, it, it's it's far simpler and more straightforward and easier for most folks to understand when we say our product won't change the subtext of that is the you know we never use the same sand grain twice we never use the same cement particle twice there's a new batch made every time right so there's always change mm -hmm. but the mm -hmm. the end result to you the user is the functionality the expectations the promises and the quality will not change right um, and that's a big mouthful to try to say, so it's a lot simpler. Well, I mean, it's kind of like saying pozzolans don't work in CSAs. Yeah. Right? That is the blanket that's phrase that we example. say. The kind of pedantic underlying thing is they kind of sort of react, but not enough to matter. Right. So and their effects are insignificant in the long run. Right. So, you know, if you want to get into the weeds on it and talk about tertiary whatevers and, you know, all of that, like, fine. But does that really help the, the end user who just needs to know, like, for your intents and purposes, for my intents and purposes, pozzolans are not a valuable add to rapid set. Now, could they serve some particle compaction purpose? Maybe. 
but that's, you know, as a, by and large, not useful. So we don't put them in. Could you? Could you? Is it going to hurt you to put a posilin? Like if you were to say, can, can I use uh, Alpha Pro Admix in, in uh, Cemental? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, you can. Should you? No. Do I encourage you spend that extra money? No. You know, can you use just the polymer? That's what would really be better for you. But and, if you feel like you need to add some extra powder, go right ahead. Even more relevant is I don't know what to expect from that. Because I don't, you don't need to, like there's no need to do it. So if there's no need to do it, why am I going to spend time and resources looking down a path that I don't need to walk down? Yeah. Oh, now, and one other thing I want to mention I, on the, the, the supply chain thing is on Omega specifically not changing, is I have seen some chatter on the interwebs uh, about Omega versus Omega Pro. They are not two products. Um, the Pro is an adjective, not a title, uh, except in Australia where, for whatever reason, we had to title it Omega Pro. Um, but uh, Omega is a professional-grade sealer. So it's Omega Pro Sealer, not Omega Pro Sealer, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so, I think some folks hang on tiny little minute changes as if they're. We actually, wanted to communicate that it was a professional grade sealer, yeah, not that the product had changed. Sealer. It's not and, a. And this, the, the formulation has and will always be the same. Mm -hmm. Meaning, the stuff you use will always behave the same way. Right. So, if you look at our website now, um, it used to say Omega Pro Concrete Countertop Sealer. And then directly next to it was Ovation DIY Concrete Countertop Sealer. There so I went in a couple days ago, forgot to tell you, Jeff, and changed Pro to Professional for that okay. reason. Because I thought, you know what, if we're going to have the two products sitting next to each other and mm -hmm. we want to delineate, one's a professional grade, the other's DIY grade, Even let's just say Even though there's a lot it. of pros who use Ovation. Oh, man, it's such a good sealer. It's, uh, and, and I've told you this a ton of times, Jeff, it is so much better than you give it credit for. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I like to under-promise and over-deliver. Yeah. Um, and that's, so, that's in large part because engineers are, by their very nature, we have to be very conservative mm -hmm. in our recommendations. Yep. And it's also, you know, well, it's a to, be a little, to be a little critical of the industry, there are other manufacturers of products, manufacturers of products who are, constantly changing things and over-promising and the products under-deliver. Well, I mean, if you get There's water on your sink and it gets that ruined, that's product. like, doesn't yeah. make sense. If you can't um, get your sink wet a week after it's sealed, hmm, kind of a should problem. you really be using that stuff? Mm. Or have you just bought into a promise that can't deliver? You know, you know my answer. Um, so Omega hasn't changed. It's not going to. Nope. Uh, never has. Um, and, we might uh, make it cherry flavored. <laughs> we're going to add some, some smell to it. Yeah. Add some blueberry flavor to well, it. Like um, in, the, in, a, in the decorative concrete, it's funny because uh, it, it, this is, this is kind of silly. Like it, there's no seriousness to it. But in, in the decorative concrete industry, there's a, uh, we like when you stamp concrete, there's a liquid release. <laughs> right. And I, it's some sort of, I don't know if it's just kerosene or paint thinner or some magical solventy stuff, but it's often scented. And one mm. of the one of the brands or styles is bubblegum. They put bubblegum <laughs> scent in it, so it smells like bubblegums. Hey bubble Jeff, why don't we we should flavor the admix? 
we've already flavored fluidizer. It's grape now. <laughs> it is. I actually have some. I have some of the lemon and some of the grape. Yeah, lemon uh, and grape. It used to be lemon. Now it's grape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 mix. I think maybe cherry. We'll go for cherry. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm, mm. yeah. Now, what if we could do the the um, like banana runt or banana laffy taffy? Oh, there you go. Yeah, Except I hate fake banana, but okay. Oh, I, I mean, won't eat it, but it's, it's like, like it. one or the other, right? You either hate it or love it. I happen to love it, yeah. um, and it helps because my kids don't love it. So when Halloween comes yeah. around, I get to dig all right. out all of their banana flavored yeah. Uh, yeah. candy. Um, like, so, but that's we're just being silly now. Of course, we're not going to uh, do that. The last thing I had on my list to chat about real fast was uh, if you are in the European Union and you want to see our products in your countries, yes, we would love a distributor over there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we are actively, uh, actively searching for a distributor um, who can. And this is the key. We want to see distributors who are actually excited about the product, um, who believe in it and want to push it. Um, advocates for it. Advocates. I don't need fanboys, right? But like, I was an advocate before I became a part owner. I I love these products. I use them every single day. And if it wasn't for my love for the products and for what CCI offers from an educational standpoint, I would not have bought half. You know, bought my share of the company. Um, and so what I and, and I know Jeff, this is something we talk about a lot. What we want to see in a distributor is somebody who is as passionate about this type of craft concrete and specifically what our alpha line and omega line can do for, you know, you and, and your customers mm -hmm. um, so that it actually is something that they talk about, not just sit on their shelves and, right. you know, sell when it's convenient or whatever. I want to see some actual advocates um, you know, and so if you love our stuff and, um, you know, want to, you know, are interested in, in, I, I want to say a few, a few words that will kind yeah. of help influence some of this. <laughs> so we're going to like slap a big label on it called the alpha pro line. Cause that's the brand. Right. <laughs> and then we have, um, technically omegas under that. So omega ovation, the sealers, we have our polymer alpha pro polymer, um, we have the Alpha Pro Admix, which has the poslins in it. Um, we have our defomer for folks who use liquid polymers. Um, it is the defomer is in the polymer and in the Admix, so you don't need to add it extra. Um, we will be adding more products to this product line to flesh out the. Yeah, that's exciting. That's as far as I'm going to go saying that. Why are there just a you know? This this is not just not another, oh, I have my own, you know, blended cocktail of five or six ordinary ingredients that somebody told me I should blend together or based on some internet formula. The Alpha line is very, very special. And I have a unique perspective of being in this industry from its very big from nearly its very beginning. And I've seen the struggles, I've seen the challenges, I've seen, I've done it, I've been there as a user, as a creator, as an inventor, as a teacher, as an industry leader, as somebody who has shaped and driven the industry to where it is today. I know the needs of people. And where concrete is going nowadays 
is so exciting because the things people, the things you do very easily, Caleb, I could never have even imagined doing when I was knee deep in concrete every single day, mm-hmm, making mm-hmm. it. And it's exciting to see where it's going, but to have the perspective of what are the needs of the user? What are the needs, more importantly, of the customer? Mm-hmm. Right, Because the customer's needs always supersede the needs of the maker mm-hmm. because they're your customers, right? And you don't want to make products that have callbacks. So you need to have a product that you can count on. You need to have a product that does what you want, um, lets you be creative, and lets, as we mentioned earlier, lets you start exploring without questioning whether you're wasting your time or you're going to have problems that you're not you know, anticipating that could come back to bite you a week, two weeks, two months, a year down the line. Sure. So everything that I do is tailored with that in mind. So I spend a heck of a lot of time, a heck of a lot of money, a heck of a lot of research behind the scenes that very few people know about to develop products that are exactly what I would want, that I know you uh, you guys want, but more importantly, I know what you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I mean, the the beauty of that is that I... You know, I don't just make little sinks like I make a lot of concrete and, you know, I'm constantly verifying these these things from an anecdotal and artisan standpoint, Um, you know, and so and Jeff and I talk basically every day like we, you know, we verify these right after we get off. uh, I'm and we've talked a little bit about our tilt up method, which is what we used in the GFRC class in November. and I used it again for an island a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to do it again for a fire pit. So we're going to get the cameras out and film the thing. So be on the lookout for a little YouTube situation. Um, and uh, so we're going to go from from start to finish on that casting process. And I, I may add a couple of things to it because there are some things I've learned along the way. So, um, you know, that's, again, learning a method from another method. You taught me, Jeff, and, and uh, a couple of others have used the method of spraying your form separately and then removing the tape and putting it up right Mm -hmm. Uh, and then packing the backer well i just took it a step further and said well i'll add miters to my backer and i'll scc the thing Mm -hmm. um and it works phenomenally well so um you know it's it's all about uh you know using products that allow you to do and create things that you want to do and create so yeah I think I think we covered we covered your list. We we did we covered the list. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last thing, so we talked about that. Um, our upcoming courses, aside from the um, aside from February, are yeah. April 29th through May the third, uh, ultimate, and October 14th through 18th. Um, obviously, 24. So um, and- yeah. And Caleb and I, those are the ultimate classes. And yep, Caleb ultimate. and I have privately been discussing a, another different class that we haven't fleshed out yet and haven't even thought about. Well, we have it. a couple of things on the horizon that we yeah. haven't really fleshed out, but that are very exciting from a, yeah. from a, a so workshop offering perspective. It, it's, it's, it's more, you know, practical kind of stuff, um, but also more creative things. Yeah. So join us uh, and, you know, go go shoot over to the Instagram, um, you know, follow us there. 
Uh, I am pretty good about answering questions there. So if you have them, please shoot them. And, and um, if you're watching this on YouTube, like and subscribe. Absolutely. Right? And uh, to those of you who have reached out, Pete Garcia, Shannon Moreno, Todd Hart, thank you so much. Um, and Simon Tipple for, uh, for you know, reaching out to me on Facebook uh, about that stuff. We want, to, uh, we want to stay committed to the level of quality that we aspire to. So yeah. thank you. All right. That's all. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. All right. See well, you. We may not see you next week, well, but maybe the week after. Indeed. Take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Maker in the Mix podcast. If you liked the content and want to hear more, please like and subscribe. Uh, feel free to follow us on YouTube as well as Instagram, Facebook, and check out the website, www.concretecountertopinstitute.com. And of course, we'd love to see you at one of our upcoming classes. Tune in next week for more informative content. Thanks.